Here are two statements that seem to contradict one another. When you hear them, you will probably be thinking that only one of them can possibly be true. But I assure you that both of them are true. Statement number one, good news is not always good news. Statement number two, good news is always good news. Father Ray, how can both of those ideas be true at the very same time? Well, it's because one of the statements, the first one to be specific, has to do with perception. The second statement has to do with reality. Let me now explain. Now, just in case anyone is unclear about it, the good news referred to at the beginning of those two statements is the gospel. In fact, that is what the word gospel means. It literally means good news. The good news about who God is. That he is our loving father who created us out of incredible love, out of a perfect love. The good news about his son, Jesus Christ, who came to this world, into this world 2,000 years ago as a baby in a manger, who suffered, died, and rose again for our salvation. So it's the good news also about what Jesus has done for us. It's the good news about how to get to heaven, which is our true home. Thank God this is not our true home. I say thank God, especially on days like this in January. I heard in heaven it's always 72 degrees and sunny. <laughs> I hope that is true. Don't know it for a fact, but I hope it's true. But I ask you this morning, when is this good news not good news for a particular person. It's when that particular person does not want to change his or her life. It's when that particular person is committing a certain sin or maybe a series of sins that he or she does not want to repent of. Then that person perceives the good news as bad news. As I said a few moments ago, good news is not always good news. This incidentally is one reason why a priest will sometimes receive less than charitable emails or notes after he delivers a certain homily. Of course, he might get notes like those because he gave a really bad homily. That's a possibility. But more often than not, that kind of thing happens. Those letters come to that priest because the message of that particular homily struck a spiritual nerve, really hit home. It exposed a wound, a sin. See, the good news of the gospel is the good news of God's incredible mercy. We have a merciful God who loves to shower that mercy upon us. But in order for us to experience that mercy, we have to acknowledge our sin. And sometimes that acknowledgement can be very difficult for all of us. Just ask King Herod. Well, you can't ask him, but if you could, he would verify the truth of what I'm saying. We just heard how the Magi proclaimed good news to him. 2,000 years ago, when they arrived in Bethlehem, or actually arrived in Jerusalem, they said to Herod, the Messiah has come. He's here. 
The Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, has been born into this world. Now they knew that because they had observed his star in the heavens. It's an historical fact, by the way, that even many pagans in the first century expected a great king to be born in their lifetime. It was not only the Jews who had that expectation. And many of these pagans believed that the birth of this new king would be signaled by some kind of phenomenon in the heavens. That's why the Magi were on the lookout. They were from another country. And they found the star. They saw the sign. Now, Herod should have been happy about all this. His reaction should have been, Hallelujah! Praise God! We've been waiting for this Messiah for centuries, and here I am with the great privilege of being able to welcome him into this world. That should have been his response. But as we all know, it wasn't. Rather, the Bible tells us that he was greatly troubled. Other translations read, he was greatly disturbed. In other words, he was ticked off. He was angry, upset, didn't like it one bit. Amazingly, for King Herod, this good news was bad news. Really bad news. That was his perception of things. And it was his perception because of the kind of person he was. He was a selfish, power-hungry individual, and he had no interest in changing his ways. You know, there are four Herods mentioned in the New Testament. This one was known as Herod the Great. That's a misnomer. As a person, he was anything but great. He murdered his own wife. He murdered at least three of his own children and a number of other people as well. He did that because he was deathly afraid that they were after his crown. He was a man whose life was ruled by fear. And that's the case with many people today. They live by fear, not by faith. It was that same fear that led him to slaughter the holy innocents when the Magi failed to return to him after their visit to Bethlehem. And yet, in spite of Herod's skewed perception, in reality, the good news of the Savior's birth was still good news. It wasn't good news for him, that's true, but it was good news nonetheless. The Messiah had still come to offer salvation, even to him, even to dastardly King Herod. His messed up perception didn't change that fact. This is why I said at the very beginning that both statements are true. Good news is not always good news, if like Herod, we don't want to face our sin and repent of it. But even if we have the wrong perception, even if we see things upside down like Herod saw things, in reality, the good news is still good news. Praise God, because that's why repentance is always possible. That's why forgiveness is always available to us until our dying breath. But of course, we need to reach out for it. On that note, a few weeks ago, a man whose confession I had heard wrote a letter to me. This one was a very nice letter. 
in which he said the following. Many thanks, Father Ray, for hearing my confession on Saturday afternoon. I can understand why this is such an unpopular sacrament and why procrastination is so common. It's a bit like repeatedly canceling a dental appointment to get a decayed tooth pulled until it really begins to throb. I put off going to confession to get my sins pulled until my conscience begins to throb. As you suggested, more frequent spiritual checkups are probably the better approach. I love that expression, a throbbing conscience. What a good insight that man had. What a great letter he wrote. Have you ever had a throbbing conscience? Do you have one right now? From what we know historically, King Herod never had his sins pulled. For him, the good news remained bad news, and he died in the fear that he lived in. God wanted something better for King Herod, and he wants something better for each and every one of us. That something better comes with regular spiritual checkups. You see, then the good news of God's mercy becomes really, really, really good news for us because we experience that mercy personally through repentance and through confession, which is the cure, the definitive cure for a throbbing conscience.